Have you ever experienced overwhelm while making an important decision? Or do you ever wish that you could be more resilient and less reactive when you're stressed? This week's episode of Free Your Inner Guru is a powerful conversation with one of the most heartwarming people I know, Barb Fletcher. Barb is a life coach and a heart math specialist who loves to help you make sense of your emotions in times of change. I know you'll find great value in listening to what she has to share about building healthy emotional resilience by connecting to the power and wisdom of your heart. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us here today. Today, I have a special guest, Barb Fletcher. Barb is a breakthrough coach who helps women in transition, and at the core of her work is helping her clients develop resiliency. I initially contacted Barb to have this conversation about one of my big values, alignment. And if there's one thing that I know about alignment is that when we're out of alignment with our core values, we experience um, a state that I call um, dissonance. I knew if nothing else from my previous conversations with Barb that helping people find connection where they don't experience dissonance with their emotions and within their body is a big part of her work. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Barb. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thanks so much, Laura. I'm so pleased to be here to join you in this wonderful conversation. So Barb, let's start off with a little bit of your story. You haven't always been a breakthrough coach. What brought you to this work and what was it about your life that aligned this up for you? I guess when I think back, it probably starts, you know, I followed a path that was uh, pretty normal. I was, you know, um, went to university, graduated, got married, and then some things unfolded differently than I planned. I had a son um, before I was 30, and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was two, which way back then, 30 years ago, was quite different than it is today. And so began to experience stress. Then by the time he was 10 years old, I was a single parent, so a new kind of stress. And so just a series of life experiences, which led me on a path um, that, you know, I just knew that I needed to find a way to be um, what I call more resilient or the ability to take a bounce after after a stress. And so it really came to a head when my husband had stage four kidney cancer and he'd been off for a period of time before before that and he actually recovered. But You know, it was just, there were so many things happening to us all at once that I knew that I needed to find a way to um, be be present and and be and have that inner strength. So I looked at tools to um, build up my resiliency and and came across a number and and one that we'll talk about this, you know, this afternoon is called HeartMath, which is a, a... an awareness of our emotions and and I use breath to build resiliency. So let's talk a little bit about resiliency because I think it's a word that can be surprisingly ambiguous. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the time in 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 traditional kind of old school self-help talk being resilient and as something that I equate with powering through 
is sometimes postured or positioned as a badge of honor. Like we always have to be striving and powering through, whether it's our fear, our emotion, and really amping up our energy to get through obstacles. And in my mind, the last thing that we want to create for ourselves is a life that requires constant having to be, you know, tough, strong, power through. And goodness knows I've done it to the nth degree. So how does this type of resilience or resiliency differ from the type of resilience that we might associate more with these more um, powerful, strong, traditional so I've had some experiences powering through as well. I, I developed TMJ and, and uh, so went through all the process related to TMJ and actually worked my way through three bike planes um, before I, I found resilience. And so powering through is, is certainly not the answer. So I see resilience as something, something softer. And, and I think when we think about resilience, we think about perhaps sometimes more the physical aspects of it. What we know is if we don't look at the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical as one whole unit, then we're not in alignment. We're, you know, we're, it's, it's, um, you know, it's like those people who we see are, who are physically, um, they eat the right things, they don't smoke, they don't do any of those things, yet they develop some dis-ease in their body. And people say, well, you know, how could that be? Really what it is, is, you know, it's that lack of awareness of all the other aspects of who we are as a human being. So using your example that you gave a few moments ago of uh, TMJ, if I recall, that's it's temporomandibular joint. Exactly. Your jaw. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe uh, for someone who isn't familiar with that acronym, I certainly am. Tell us what TMJ is and how that showed up for you as a, a symptom that mm-hmm. you needed to address this on an emotional, spiritual level not just the physical. How it presented physically was excruciating pain in the in in the jaw joint where where the upper and lower jaw come meet and it resulted in headaches and just huge amounts of pain. And so I did all of the physical um, type kinds of things. I did physio and I did exercises and I did all of those things. But it wasn't until I actually um, dealt with some of the emotions that were attached to it that I really was able to release what was holding me back. And so in this situation, it was a period of time where I didn't have a voice and I wasn't speaking up for myself. And so, you know, and I had worked with one person who just, you know, she had the key to unlock what was happening. And now I find myself again in places, you know, when I lack a little bit of awareness and, and, you know, I just over the past week, I experienced a day where I started to get that feeling again in, in my jaw. And I, I had to sit with that and say, okay, so really what is going on here? What, what's, 
you know, because our first response is to say, well, I guess I should take an Advil. I've got a headache. And, and that really isn't where the answers lie. For me, the answers lied in taking time to get quiet and feeling my way into what was, what was going on. And again, it was a situation where I was carrying tension in my jaw because I wasn't speaking up. I wasn't using my voice. So this is how a pattern in your body can inform you about a pattern in your life. Absolutely. And, and, and our biggest challenge is, is to be prepared to slow down long enough to sit with whatever that emotion is and feel into it to understand what it actually has to tell us. And it's, you know, it's messy. It's, it's, it's not like going to the doctor and saying, you know, I have a pain in my head and so therefore, and he says, okay, so here's a prescription for you. This is messier. It, you know, it takes, it takes some time and, you know, it's, it uh, often requires us to look in the mirror and uh, we're much more comfortable in looking outward than looking inward. Oh, I can hear that. You're making me remember my own situation where my jaw was clamped shut. Mm-hmm. And it takes me back to, this would be 25 years ago when I was a young um, student learning to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, one thing about teaching though, I'll tell you when you're teaching young kids, it is an exercise in building your immune system because I, you get sick a lot mm-hmm. at first. And I came down with tonsillitis, but it was such a stressful and demanding year in my life. I had um, left a long-term relationship, had moved back home for support, was in a very demanding um, primary junior teaching program, and then came down with this horrible, horrible case of tonsillitis. They get me into the hospital, and at the time, I assumed because of the physical pain that I was in, the infection just wasn't going away. And I was clamping down, clamping down, clamping down on my jaw where they couldn't feed me in the hospital and they couldn't get my, my mouth open, literally had to force a piece of gum in there for me to work it through. And, um, and I recall like at the time, 25 years old, or so, maybe close to 30, but I, I'm a very different 50-year-old than I was 25 or 30-year-old mm-hmm. and, uh, and didn't really, once I got better, just soldiered on, soldiered on, but ended up leaving teaching a few years later when it wasn't, just wasn't the right environment for me. Well, it took me three, you know, the three plastic devices that I actually uh, bit through before I got, you know, got to a place where I understood that I needed to, to actually go inside. So sounds like you, you probably learned the lesson a little more quickly than I did. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So um, let's go back then into if you were to work with someone mm-hmm. and Take me through, if you will, either a description or an example of the process that you use. You mentioned heart math earlier. I've heard of heart math before, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know too, too much about it. As we've spoken about, we, 
we understand the physical body and and how to work with physical ailments, whether we go through the medical system. So we, we understand that, but we don't spend a whole lot of time um, looking at the emotional side and, and what, in fact, what relationship it could have um, with what's actually going on in our body. You know, if you think about being a child, how many times were you told as a child not to feel a particular way? or to stop reacting, you know, don't cry, be tough. And so we're, our emotions, we're, we're told to compartmentalize them to make them small as opposed to actually feeling things. And this is really evident because if you think about a child in a, in a grocery store and you're standing at the, the uh, counter and they decide they want a chocolate bar and the mother says no, they just lose it. The mother says yes, and they snap out of it just like that. So they have a, a high heart rate variance. We as adults aren't able to move that quickly. We've shortened that distance between, and we do that over our life. So if you think about emotions that you particularly have, you know, somebody, what if you hold a grudge? then you're hanging on to that emotion. You're, you're not able to release it. Children don't hang on to things the same way. They're, they're sad and then they're happy. And we, don't, we can't make that shift nearly as quickly. So what I do is help people understand where they're spending their day as it relates to emotions, whether they're spending them in a period of frustration and fear Maybe they're spending it in, you know, a good portion of the day in depression or lethargy. Perhaps they're spending their time in um, relaxation, peacefulness, or maybe they're actually building it. They're spending their time in a place of excitement, anticipation, passion. It is that last bit, the excitement and passion that actually is the time when we actually build resilience. If I'm understanding you, when you use the child as the example of a little being that can pull themselves out of their state very quickly, mm-hmm. in this case, because they're getting what they want, the, the pain of their situation has been removed. It's no longer um, a concern or a threat. Mm-hmm. And they, they bump, bounce right back up. I think mm-hmm. you said bounce um, ability earlier. Are you saying that over the course of our lifetime, we get trained or groomed out of our ability to do that? Absolutely. Society is less comfortable with us reacting emotionally. You know, particularly if you think about women in, in leadership positions, we're encouraged not to feel, encouraged not to demonstrate emotion. And men who do the same are disdained. They're, they're not looked upon favorably. And so we're, we're taught to push it all down, push those emotions deep inside. We're not, we never come to an understanding of how to work with those emotions, how to release um, those ones that are, are no longer serving us. I hear that. 
I feel that on a very visceral level. Mm -hmm. So if someone's listening right now and they're wondering, okay, I totally get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. What are, can you offer something um, practical that illustrates a little bit the work that you do with people? What can a person do when they're in this perturbed state? I think the, the most useful aspect of the perturbed state is the awareness. So get the lesson. Understand, un, well, understand that you're perturbed. Oh, okay. Even before all of that. Yeah. Before all of that, because we are not, um, we're emotional beings, but we're not, I wouldn't suggest we're emotionally aware beings. We, we bounce around and, and when you create that awareness as to an emotion, then until you've created that awareness, you don't have a choice. Up until that point, you're just aimlessly moving about. You're in it. You're in it. Once you understand a particular feeling that you have, then you've got a choice. And you've got a choice to either stay with that or understand what might actually be happening and what you can do about that. The work that I do is really, it, it, it has three pillars. The first pillar is just that emotional awareness, understanding when you're in these particular areas. Then I do a second step that looks at using the emotional freedom technique or sometimes referred to as tapping, which allows us to release particular emotions that we could have been carrying over a lifetime. And then the third step is how do we build resilience once we've, we've done that? And I help people build resilience by using their heart and using their breath. And they need to practice five minutes um, a couple of times a day. And they'll actually be astounded at how much easier it is for them um, to take the bounce when stress arrives. And the tool itself, um, and we can do that, the tool itself actually um, can be done while you're standing in line at the grocery store, while you're driving the car. And so that's what's really important about this because we know that that relaxation, that peacefulness, you know, whether it's sitting on a yoga mat or sitting quietly doing meditation, those are a couple of activities that don't afford themselves to life in the situation when it's intense. So, so what we need to be able to do is if we're in a stressful meeting, um, if you know, we're having an argument, if we're able to create enough conscious awareness to, to do this technique, then in fact, you'll find that life is much easier. So the first thing I ask people to do is to think about an object, a place, a thing, could be a pet, um, could be a person, um, that whenever they feel into that, they just feel an overwhelming sense of love. 
So the reason we don't usually go with people is that, you know, everybody says, well, I think I'll choose my child. But every day isn't one where we're just, we automatically think, oh, isn't that great? I, I'm, you know, I'm full of love because if they've just, uh, you know, had a, an unpleasant experience with you, you, you might not be so... Uh, it may not be as clean as what you're saying. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so if your kid is pissing you off right now, yeah, that's your kid. I was, I, I was trying to be more tough, <laughs> but it, it has happened. So you may want to, you know, I, I enjoy the beach. I enjoy water. I have a favorite crystal that I often hold. And so that, that's my choice. So I ask people to choose that and, and be thoughtful about that because the cleaner that is, the easier it is for you to get there. Perfect. Okay. So the second step I want you to do is just focus on your heart. So you don't have to do anything else. You can keep your eyes open. You're driving. It's all good. And then I want you to envision that the breath is coming in and out of your heart area. So heart focus and then heart breath. So you're going to breathe a little bit deeper and a little bit slower than what you would normally do. If you're unsure of equal in and equal out, you can count one, two, three, four, five on the in-breath and an equal amount on the out-breath. So just breathe in. And exhale through the heart. And on the next out breath, I want you to breathe out that heart appreciation, that object or place or thing that you felt so. And we'll do that three or four more times. So one of the things that people often say when they're doing this is they feel more energy in their body when they do that. And you also can see them visually allow their shoulders to drop, the tension to perhaps go out of their face. I, um, I felt a softening in my front, mm-hmm. which... I've become aware more recently that I'm holding tension right in front of my heart. So that is, you know, like a protective shell. Mm -hmm. I just actually read a book yesterday, um, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And one of the um, things that she says in in this brilliant book is about having a strong back, like a strong spine, and a soft front so that we're not always protecting ourselves from other people. It seems to me that having a technique that literally softens your energy wherever you're holding it is a way to build that, to develop that like a skill. It's interesting because this 
all of this work that uh, around what the tool, which is called HeartMath, is based on more than 30 years of research and, and is actually quietly supported by a number of leaders that we're probably all following, whether it's Jack Canfield, he talks about it, um, could be um, Christiane Northrup, who refers to it in her books. Greg Braden um, is a big supporter. So I think, and, you know, and Tony Robbins, if you take it to another extreme. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's, it's a technique that underlies a lot of what the spiritual leaders are doing. And it's just, I think you're right, Laura. I think it's softening that hard area and allowing us to be present and open to what might be coming in mm-hmm. and what might be the message in the distress or stress for sure I know in some in a lot of my work when I'm working one-to-one with a client we look at um, one of the goals is is always to establish who the person really is who who they're meant to be mm-hmm. and often when they come in, there's definitely dissonance between where they want to go and how they perceive they need to get there and who they really are. And so we, we unwind some of that, even just through conversation, but also learning how to pay attention to things like frustration, bitterness, anger, as signposts that they are not in their true self. This is not what's authentic for them. How do you relate to that in, in your, that statement in your take on things and, and the value of this work that you do? So one of the examples is there's a process that looks at mapping out who their true self is. So one of the exercises I have people do is, you know, we'll just sit and map out you know, with a a drawing as to what's important. And then we'll spend 10 minutes getting in coherence and we'll redo it. And it's absolutely stunning, the difference, because it's we're moving it from a thinking mind to a feeling. And the outcome is what people have interpreted as what mattered often is never even it's not even close so in particular i'll use an example of a young woman that is now living in yellow knife and she's confused about the decision to go or whether to stay and so she had been a someone who'd worked with me in the past and so she came over we we did the technique we looked at what the things that were important, did some planning. And then she got in coherence and I held the energy with her and she redid the exercise. And she found out that some of the things that she thought were important didn't make the list. And that's from your getting out of your head into your heart, into your body for that awareness. Is that what I'm hearing? It is. And, and what heart math really does is looks at the heart intelligence because we, the heart has so much um, more understanding than the brain. So if you think about um, a situation where intellectually you figured out that you were stressed, then our heart has felt that thousands of times more quickly than our brain did. 
our brain can't keep up. So, and you mean, you mean literally our organ. Exactly. Not this, not the heart center, not the heart chakra, not the, I'm coming from my heart. I'm a heart-based entrepreneur heart. You're talking about the actual heart tissue. Exactly. And and the reason, and, and we have visual proof of this, because of the work that we do with HeartMath, there's actually a biofeedback tool that people can use. Um, they put a little clip on their ear, and it connects either to your computer or a phone. And um, it, it looks at the heart rate variance, the difference between the low and the high heart rate. And so what you'll see is... Um, People who think with their head that everything's going well could be completely off the rails. Or what you can do is someone who's in coherence will be going along in a nice, even manner. And you can say to them, now I want you to think about a time when, which was really troubling to you. And it's like that. And it shows up as a visual in front of them by this irregular, erratic heartbeat. And we aren't able, so they wouldn't have known in their mind that that was going on. They were just feeling their way into it. And, and it's, it's really quite, um, quite stunning. Wow, that's, that's remarkable. Because I'm thinking about, you know, when, let's say I'm out running or training to run, and I'm very, very aware of what my heart is doing then because I'm placing physical demand on it. But it's not the same, say, sitting at your desk, working on, you know, whatever, where our mind is elsewhere and we're not as present to our bodies as, as when we're in motion. It's those unconscious thoughts mm-hmm. that are carrying on in the background, the sabotage, the beliefs, the the stuff that's under the surface. So we think all is right with the world, but there's another story being told. And, and this gets visible through this biofeedback device, which, um, you know, for the person who has, you know, an analytical mind um, or a little bit like me who loves gadgets, um, they'll, you know, it's, it's a valuable um, visual presentation for them to say, okay, now I guess there is more at play here than what I thought. Right. Cause it's logical and measurable. It is measurable. Yeah. So I was, I was just thinking about let's relate this or try to relate this to a scenario that I'm seeing play out very, very often over the course of the last year, mm-hmm. which is people are stressed by world affairs. Mm-hmm. People are struggling with the news, with their social media feeds. Mm-hmm. They're being inundated constantly mm-hmm. with, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what political ideology, mm-hmm. um, but we're being constantly bombarded with stimuli that are knocking people out of their happy place mm-hmm. as a very overly simplified way to describe it. What, what do you see and how can this help, you know, beyond the obvious counseling people to 
take it easy and back off the, you know, the, the drug, so to speak. Um, how does this help? As empaths, I, you know, I, and that's somebody who feels into these particular situations. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenging time if we don't learn how to manage it. If, if we feel into absolutely every situation, we, um, I think we'll be a nervous wreck. Mm. We'll be yeah, looking so. at what, what the next thing is to happen. So I think, you know, what we, what is within our control is our interpretation and how we manage our own emotions and internal um, dialogue. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's practicing heart math, you know, every day. So if we're a runner, um, we don't plan to run a marathon next week. We train. And so what if we wanted to do, um, we wanted to be good at managing our emotions and our feelings. You know, perhaps we need to spend a little bit of time training the same way. And so, you know, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and you will begin to build that resilience. And you begin to interpret the situations um, a little bit more detached and you don't necessarily feel into them the same way. I mean, you can, you know, the, you know, the troubles that have, um, you know, the recent ones, the hurricanes, there's, there's no question. It would be unlikely that we couldn't feel into that. It's how long we hang on to it. It's interesting you you mentioned that because you and I were at an event together over that weekend when Hurricane Irma was um, coming ashore in Florida. And there were a number of people in the room with us who have homes in that area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was now that we're both out as empaths, um, you know, it was very difficult to not take on that fear mm-hmm. and concern Mm-hmm. And uh, and have it pull away from the central intention of the day, which is an exercise in presence, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and when we were there, we we were told that presence we don't the other person doesn't get to decide when. Uh... Oh, that was I was just going through my notes um, for a podcast that will air before this one about uh, Simon Sinek's talk about the um, the yoga teacher. Right. who who was i guess at a meeting with with him and was ever scrolling through her her feed and listening only when she was listening but she was describing herself as someone who was highly present and and his emphatically was mm-hmm. was talking about you don't get to say when you're present that's something that other people say about you mm-hmm. that how you show up in every moment is what counts, not just when you're, you're on. So that's, that's a a really nice um, um, coming together of those two very different talks and lines of thinking. But in to a degree, I think a lot of this is about being present for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, let alone being present for other people. Well, and certainly if, if you were to successfully, um, have a heart math practice you cannot be um distracted 
and and build that resilience you have to be present and so and it's and it's not the same as meditation because what we're doing is we're we're looking at that that quadrant or that area where you're in high excitement high energy and and the heart rate is up and so it's 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 different than than relaxation and meditation for that and and the conversation around presence was was very powerful for me um because how many times have we said to somebody you know you're not paying attention to me and the person will say oh well yes of course but if we don't feel heard then we're not and that in many cases is enough to take someone into a state of high dissonance yeah, high, not, not feeling seen, not feeling heard. Frustration. Yeah. Well, it occurs to me that there's a lot of really great work to be done in this area, Barb, especially since, and part of the reason I love this conversation so much is it, it makes me think about how people who want to move forward and step into positions of leadership need to support themselves in this way so that they can be present for the person to their left and the person to their right Mm -hmm. and, and be able to be at their best. And if it's a leader who has chosen quiet leadership, who is, so if you're, if you're like me, where you realize, oh my goodness, I can no longer be quiet and must have a voice that's a highly stressful situation, at least at first, maybe always. But this is a way to help self-regulate so that you can, and self-care, so that you can then be compassionate and show up as the best leader possible. I don't think, you know, unless we were to, you know, disconnect completely, that we're ever going to find a time where we're stress-free. I think, you know, even people who practice and, and, you know, incorporate all the things that are, are helpful in our lives, we're still going to encounter, encounter stress. So it's really about the bounce. You know, I still wake up in the night from time to time. And my go-to response when I wake up is to get in coherence, which is the technique that I just shared with you. Because... I know that that will take me away from that place of anxiousness, anxiety, where the thoughts are carrying me away um, to that place where back down to earth and and back to, to some level of resilience. So I think we're always going to um, need these tools. And I think, um, you know, it's, when we spend the time practicing with these tools, I think we are the same as we would getting ready for a marathon. I think we're well served by that. I love that. And it really is a discipline in the best sense of the word and a practice that can be used for life. Because mm-hmm. as you said, stress ain't going away. It's not. It's not. And it'll be different. It'll be different next year as this year. It'll be different tomorrow as from five minutes from now. Mm-hmm. So the more tools, the better. And and you know, once you've got these tools, then your adaption and your interpretation becomes easier. And that's what resiliency is. It absolutely is. 
Well, thank you. I feel like we've really come to a, a nice place in this conversation for me to ask you if someone's listening today, Barb, and they want to find you and get in touch with you, where, where can you be found? So my website is barb-fletcher.com. And um, I'm happy to have a conversation, pop on there and just send me a note. And uh, I am going to share about an event that we have coming up in October. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me here today on Free Your Inner Guru, Barb. It's been a pleasure. If you have resonated with this conversation and want to connect with Barb, you can visit her website at barb-flesher.com where she offers a 30-minute breakthrough call. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're local to Barb in Fredericton, New Brunswick, she has an upcoming event on October 19th called The Power of Three Summit. You can find out more and purchase tickets at thepowerofthreesummit.com. You can find all of those links in the show notes or by going directly to freeyourinnerguru.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If these ideas and stories resonate with you, I would be so grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for two quick things. One, if there's an idea or moment in the story or conversation that you feel would make a difference in someone else's life, take a quick moment to share on whatever app or website you're listening on. And two, subscribe so that you can become part of the ongoing conversation. Big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.